1: Good evening, everyone, uh, welcome back to Bears. Hopefully your superannuation safe. No, just joking. Uh, after government starts uh, looking at it. Uh, we are broadcasting live from our Barangaroo studios. You have tuned in to the call. Uh, we have 10 stocks that you've sent in for us to have a look at. I put those stocks to two experts. We do it all in one hour on this first day of autumn. Goodbye, summer. Uh, let's get into our two experts. And uh, we have Michael Wayne from Medadium Financial. Michael, good to see you.
0: Welcome. Good, day, good to be here again.
1: Yeah, earnings season over, done and dusted. You can take yeah, 10 a deep bit breaths. Of
0: a deep breath now, managed to avoid some of the bombs, which were good, but it was a quite a volatile reporting season and it'll be a, you know, take a few weeks to really digest it all probably. Yep.
1: Half your luck. All right, Carl Capalinga from Think Markets, the uh, king of the charts. Every time I see a chart on Twitter from somebody else, you've got into my head, Carl. Uh, I keep going, oh, I wonder if Carl agrees with that. Well, there was one <laughs> earlier this week, the BHP had fallen below its, its 1,500 and 200 day moving average. And they were going, woo! Well,
2: I immediately <laughs> thought, oh, I wonder if that's Carl's reaction as well. Uh, look, possibly, yeah, hey, just ping me, uh, send me. Out, right. uh, tweet, tweet me out. And I'm, oh. I do respond, I do respond. So when people ask me for you know a view on a chart, I'll often get on there and give them a response. Happy to do that. So uh, I know right. I've opened myself up to about a million tweets now. <laughs> for views, but, uh, I'm happy to look at them. But do you look at uh, moving averages? I do, yeah, look, I, I don't right. use those ones. And the, look, the important thing about moving averages, here's, here's the um, uh, the top tip for, for moving averages. I always use exponential moving averages, Koshy. Oh, so what well, they what do is that they, Well, they weight. What you do in the calculation of a moving average is you're, you're obviously taking a, a sample of periods, yep. uh, historical periods, and then, you know, dividing uh, by that, that number of periods. What the exponential moving average does is it weights the uh, data in the most recent set of the sample uh, and it gives it more weighting. So it's more oh, recent bias. Sensible. So a, a, a simple moving average, uh, any data, it could, let's say you've got a, a you know, a one year moving average. The data at the start of the year is just as important as the more recent yeah. data. The exp- exponential weights, the more recent data. So I find they move uh, better, oh, no. they more responsive to prices and give you better signals. Uh, okay. But you know, I'll, I'll keep it a, a trade secret for now, which ones I use. But again, ping me on Twitter and I, I might okay. let you know.
1: Exponential <laughs> moving average. That's,
2: that's a good tip, but we're only a
1: minute into the show uh excellent keep them coming all right uh let's look at the first five stocks in this half hour. Well, we're going to take a look at evolution mining uh regis uh Serve Corp and srg global stock of the day so take a look at super retail reported pretty well during the earnings season in fact um on the call a, a week or so ago um i think it was scott phillips and mark Moreland were saying They think a lot of the bargains in the share market are retailers, and in their top three, they had Super Retail Group. But today, we get news that Super Retail Group Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer, Anthony Hegarty, has sold 87,000 shares in the company on market to fund a tax payment related to the exercise of vested performance rights. Now, the company notes, following the sale, uh, Mr. Hegarty continues, to hold 252,000 ordinary shares and 340,000 performance rights, and um, shares a are uh, flat today. Um, but Carl, um, do you do you take any notice of that? Of when managing directors have to or start selling their shares now? He gave a reason to meet a tax yep. bill, and does that calm you down, or no. or, or do you think super retail? is at the peak now and time to get
2: out. I I do, to answer your question, I do take note of it. So um, anytime I do analysis of this show, I literally go and download all the company's announcements for the last 12 months. And I pay very close attention to company, uh, so it's a director sales and purchases. Now to to counter this, uh, one of the other directors bought 20,000 shares only two hundred grand, goshy Back right. in November, at ten bucks, a really good trade though, because obviously the price got up to thirteen fifty. Now, interestingly, for Mister Herity, uh, that he sold between twenty two to twenty four February, goshy that was the top. Like he nailed it. Right. I mean, isn't it not it great to know exactly <laughs> when to sell? Yeah. I wish I had his foresight. So he nailed the absolute top of his run. Um, but yeah, sometimes, uh, yeah, I will take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. Tax bills, I think, you know. I think he just wanted to get out. To be honest, uh, so so just on the history of these performance rights, and if if yours aren't aware of what a performance right is, they're effectively, or oh, a gift, a gift of shares. That's the wrong way to put it. That they the bonus you they're a bonus. Yeah, that's the, a bonus slash gift. Gosh, <laughs> so if you achieve. Um, whatever is in the conditions of that performance, uh, performance yep. base, you make so much uh, a profit or, uh, or grow grow the stores, I don't know, whatever it was, um, you get given these shares at zero cost. You, you That's right. why I call it a gift. So he was given 63527 He worked hard for them, of course, uh, back in November. So that was $825,000 worth. Um, right. And then he's just... Uh, vested another thirteen thousand uh, in this batch. So if you add together what was vested in November to what has just been vested, it's about a million bucks, Koshy. Right. So, so, so that reflects the sale. So of right. course he he round, he rounded it up. He didn't round it down because right. the value was one point one million. But that's effectively what's happened. So I I don't think there's anything so sinister there. Literally, he's he's got him. Yeah. And he wants he wants to, you know, crystallize, I guess, some of the hard work that he's put okay. in some. So that,
1: if you're a super retail investor, what, to, what are the charts telling you? Stay in it? Buy some more? I think
2: I, think, like I think stay in it. Yeah. So So because I can draw a line between where these shares came from. I, you know, I can't fault his timing, though, yeah. but if it was just out of the blue, so if it was just if, it, if, if these performance rights had uh within the last couple of months and it was just straight out of the blue, then I'm more concerned. But I can kind of see where You're this right. came from. Otherwise, the business looks very, very solid. The, the uh, half yearly report was very good, uh, maintained margins, grew sales, um, outlook. Mm. Very, very solid as well. Valuation wise I did run this through my um, valuation filter. It's it's after this run, it's looking pretty fully priced to me. That's what I'll say. On the chart, the third piece of the puzzle. Um, it looks very good. I, I can certainly get to a hold. I'm not sure if I'm at a buy because right. it is at a level, which was a big um, resistance point in the past. Okay. And, and coincidentally, that's where um, our, our director is sold as well. Okay.
1: Uh, Michael what do you think of super retail uh, question number one do you think the bargains are in the retail sector the argument was uh, they're on really single-digit multiples at the moment yeah now we had Gore over Methadon on earlier in the week and said that's a trap if you're looking at retailers you should buy them at high multiples rather than low uh, so I'm a bit confused with this Do you do you think Retail is a good place to be at the moment. We're,
0: uh, we're, we're cautious on retailers yeah. at the moment. Um, we understand you know, that looking back, there's actually some decent numbers and it's quite fragmented at the moment, the retail space. There's some retailers delivering very good results like super yeah. retail and some starting to struggle already. But we do worry a little bit about the outlook in terms of interest rates and that big cliff that might yep. come and affect consumer spending. So. We think there's a, a too bigger unknown out there to get right. too confident to start loading up um, on the retailers or consumer right. discretionary in general.
1: See Junbei Lu on Friday said retailers, uh, their current position is masked by the fact that they're reporting for the December period. Yeah, she reckons that's right. it will come
0: home to roost when they report on the March quarter in May. And that's what we're probably... Leaning towards ah, as well. Right, there okay. was a big, strong finish to the year last year. A, a really big Christmas. Everyone was spending yeah. big, so people still had a lot of savings. The interest rate bites really hadn't started to come in just right. yet. So that's something you want to be conscious of with these retailers. And it's a bit like mining companies. You kind of want to buy them on higher multiples and then yes. you know sell them on lower multiples. Because basically, what the market is saying is that they don't really believe today's earnings for these retailers. Mm that they think that they're gonna come down over time and as the earnings come down, yeah. those multiples will expand okay. and the prices right. will fall as well, potentially. But from my standpoint, Super Retail is very high quality reported very well. The pack division is really emerging quite nicely for them. Yeah. Uh, so they've got pack, they've got the Super Retail or Super Auto, yeah. and then they've got Rebel Sports as well. But the the one that's growing the quickest is this pack division, which is outdoor attire. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to right. see if that continues. But for us, it's not one we hold and I'm, not going to hold it at the moment, right? Um, because yeah, just be concerned with that outlook, but the momentum does look good. So that's okay. the one thing it does have in its favor.
1: All right, let's get uh, into the stocks that you want us to cover today. Lily wants a view, uh, Michael, on Evolution Mining, one of our biggest gold miners, uh, production in Australia and and Canada. How does Evolution yeah, come
0: up? So Evolution is one of the highest quality gold producers on the Australian market. We do have some of it for clients, just to give them that bit of gold exposure. It's not a huge weighting, but it has been a decent performer over the long term. Although- Is that your preferred? Well, yeah, this and Northern Star probably are the two preferred. Mm. Uh, But you have to keep in mind that it's really driven by what's going on with the gold price. And the gold price had a big recovery a few months ago. Then it's come back under pressure again, as people have revised their interest rate expectations higher. Um, The Aussie dollar plays into it a lot as well, but we do like companies like Evolution Mining that are basically incurring their costs in Aussie dollars and then selling their gold in US dollars. Yeah. They do have a big um, production pipeline mm-hmm. coming in from around sort of 2024 onwards. And that incurs some risk because as they develop these mines, there's obviously potential for delays, etc. Yep. So potentially Evolution is more risky now than it was a few years back. Um, but they did a number of acquisitions and looking to expand their production into the future. But as I mentioned, that comes with risk. So happy to go a hold on evolution. Um, But again, it's more in a portfolio for that exposure to gold, more so than that you think the business is going to do amazingly well in the short term. It's that sort of hedge type position that you could argue. Gee, look at that
1: five-year chart. Uh, If it's a reflection on gold miners, it had a patch a year, two years, hasn't it? Um, Carl, what do you think of uh, evolution
2: mining? Uh, look, I'd, I'd like evolution within the space when it's the right time to be in the space. Okay. So it, it, for me, gold is always a trade. It's never a long-term investment. I'm not a gold bug. I'm the opposite. Okay. For me, what's the point of having gold unless you want to put it on your fingers around your, your, your wrists or your neck or your ears or whatever it is. Right. That's my view. And I know that's going to upset a bunch of people who thinks that when the next fi- financial Armageddon comes, we'll be paying for loaves of bread in gold. I'm sorry i'm not in that camp so it's a trade for me when the gold price looks good that's when i go and look at gold miners and pretty much not until then because they look they've had such a prolonged period of underperformance yes many of them are operationally lean and generating uh, good cash flows but we do find Uh, the correlation between the gold price and the gold stocks uh, is very high. Okay. So uh, around about December, viewers will know, they watched me on Fridays, I said buy gold. And then on the 3rd of Feb, I literally came up again uh, on my Friday spot and said sell gold. Where am I at now? Uh, I think you could start to have a look at it again. I'm not saying we're going to jump back in. Um, The gold price I think has hit a key level at 1800 and I do expect to see some support from there it bounced last night a very important bounce and a very important candlestick that it put in on the chart if i see this low confirmed so it might go up for a couple of days pull back and if it can hold that 1800 level for the second time that's when i'm going to start to look at gold producers mm. of which evolution will be one of them right it's probably second or third on my list i still like northern star that would be my top pick in fact that's pulled back to a really important level as well i'm going to watch that closely over the next few days and weeks and i still like new crest um, but maybe some of the, the bargain's gone there with the, the recent takeover activity. So, yep, if high on the list, um, I'm gonna go a hold for now and it might be applied somewhere down the track. Okay.
1: All right, uh, and next up, we're gonna go from uh, Gold to Retirement Villages and Healthcare, Regis Healthcare. Uh, Sarah wants a view uh, Carl on it. Residential care for uh, older Australians, facilities all around the country.
2: Depends a lot on government funding, does it? It does. Um, so they've had a obviously a tough time through COVID, all sorts of um, extra costs involved in um, in keeping residents safe, and that hasn't been reflected necessarily in uh, in revenues, in their ability to claw those costs back by increasing prices. Because uh, I wouldn't say it's that uh, their, their pricing is completely regulated, but there, there is a significant degree of regulation in there. So it's really a kind of a, a cost game. Are the costs going to back out and therefore we're going to see a recovery in those profits over the next six to 12 months, or are they going to say, stay stubbornly high? And unfortunately, I'm, I'm a little bit more in the stubbornly high camp. Um, mm-hmm. So I still think we're, we're not at the point yet where you want to sort of move back into this area. Uh, In terms of the valuation, I did the valuation. This came out literally at fair value here. Um, So it's not screaming bargain either. So I think uh, some caution is required. Uh, in the near term on, on the outlook for the business. I think the valuation's only just fair and then I get to the chart and the chart is another thing keeping me away from this. Uh, the trends are very clearly set to the downside and regardless of everything I might think I know about the business, what the market is saying about the business is uh, we don't want to own it right now and therefore I'm not uh, I'm not one to be uh, taking part in it. So in fact, I'm, uh, I think the last time Michael and I discussed this, we both called it a sell and I'm going to reiterate my sell on this Still one. It. Yep. Michael.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, are going to go sell again. Um, it's one of the largest aged care providers in the country, probably the, one of the highest quality. Uh, but just because it's the highest quality within that sector doesn't mean we like that sector. Yeah. Um, basically, the Australian government at the back end of last year changed the whole subsidy model. Um, so they moved from the old model to the new model. The, the new model provides them with a little bit more revenue, which is a positive. However, uh, there are also higher staffing costs that come with this new model, mm-hmm. um, given that there's certain mandated care minutes that each patient needs to receive. Then only a couple of days ago, you had the, the Fair Work Commission come out um, with a 15% interim increase in the award rates for aged care workers. So you can see there's this constant mm-hmm. tug of war between- There were so in, many moving parts. Um, so many moving parts. There's the revenue, which is sort of controlled by government. Then there's costs, which are also yeah. controlled by government and fair work, etc. So it's a very difficult industry to operate in. I think about 60, 70% of operatives in that industry making a loss. That sort of came out last week. Um, Regis is probably the highest quality and the best position to sort of deal with all this sort of stuff. But... It doesn't mean it's going to be yeah. an over earner um, compared to other businesses on the market. So happy to go sell on. It's the a purchase. great
1: thematic though, isn't it? It makes yeah. so much sense. Australians mm. getting older, da da da. But it just seems so complex to get right.
0: that's and that's that Conscious, first you, level you, you, thinking that people fall for. Often. Yeah, yeah,
2: Carl. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, you still need to make money out of it. And the the biggest risk to investors. The biggest risk to their capital is a great narrative, Koshy. How yeah. many times do we get caught up in a great narrative, whether it be EVs or yeah. solar power or whatever it might be, and we end up holding on too long, well after the price has turned? And dare I say, Koshy, lithium is the next great narrative, which I feel is on the brink of breaking its long-term trend.
1: Oh, well, you've taken us off <laughs> in a whole. Do we have a li- <laughs> we don't <laughs> have a lithium stock?
2: So you reckon get out of lithium? Uh, we've been we've been we've been trimming lithium for many months now. Um, you go go check all the tapes. Uh, and yeah, Pilbara is probably the last one that is still a hold. And I reckon on a close beneath four ten, Pilbara's okay. that's it. You're out you're out, you're out officially out uh, of do lithium.
1: Look at lithium you, mineral prices, they're coming down. Do you put Minres in that camp as well or is that too diverse?
2: Oh, it is it is. Well Minres is it's let's face it, it's still more of an iron ore company than uh, than a lithium company. So I don't tend to look at it in that same boat uh it is holding on just and i'll give you an, a number it's got a bit more leeway i reckon if that closes beneath 74 then you need to start to uh, okay. i think in fact you're out you're out of minries.
1: ah okay all right well that that's a really good diversion <laughs> for <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> are in lithium um that's why i took a close interest uh all right uh let's look at our next stock and um um, Michael, who's, uh, I think Gorad Sodi picked Domino's as the dud of the entire reporting season. The biggest disappointment of the entire reporting season. Now uh, What do you think of Domino's?
0: Yeah, it's probably a fair assessment. And you just look at some of those headline numbers, you know, s- sales, EBITDA, net profits, um, all down considerably. Um, they're struggling, yep. particularly in Europe at the moment. Um, they're holding up okay in, in Australia and New Zealand, but that's more of a mature market. The Asian business is also not doing unbelievably well. And essentially they've been confronted with having to increase their prices of their pizzas um, because of you know, a number of different factors, mainly you know <laughs> things like ingredients and, and petrol and all that sort of stuff.
1: Hey, can we bring back up that 12-month chart again? Yeah, uh, it's pretty clear when uh, when the dud actually uh, did <laughs> report from the twelve. Uh, yeah, whoa, there's a cliff.
0: It's been for a you. wild, wild ride. <laughs> it's a, it's basically you know the, the Matterhorn. at such a peak oh. um, over the last five years yeah. or so. Horrible. Um, they had all the COVID benefits. They've obviously unwound at the moment. There's obvious. There's also disputes potentially arising between franchisees and franchisors. Um, and there's an argument that Domino's needs us to be a little bit more generous with the margins that they're providing these franchisees right. to keep them engaged. Um, because at the moment, um, the volumes are down really across their network, but they continue to roll out stores. Uh, and Domino's has you know, been through tough times before and sort of come through the other side. They are a high quality business, but yeah. the valuation is still quite lofty, um, even after the retracement of this size. And my concern is that in a more mature market like Australia, once a lot of the low-hanging prime locations right. have been picked up, you're starting to add new franchisees in, in areas that might be treading on each other's toes, and and each new store, the marginal benefits becomes less and less. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that at the moment. Um, so for mine, I'm going to go with a sell, particularly after right. a report like that. Yep. Often the first you know poor report begets a negative report, either in the next couple of months with an update. Or at the half year or at the full year is in august so <laughs> no. happy to go sell yeah it's
1: on a downgrade cycle uh carl what do you think of Domino?
0: yeah look hey
2: if you're most of the people i speak to regularly it's a buy because it's gone down <laughs> and uh, the number of inquiries i get about Domino's koshi it's it's astounding and i think the natural um mentality of your australian investor is uh, that if something has fallen a long way and it's got a good name like Domino's, i mean it's a household name therefore it must be cheap and that's just not how the market works um, I know we're all looking for a bargain yep. and I think this will be a bargain at some stage but I think it's still got further to go and I'll give you a number both in terms of the chart and, and around evaluation valuation on this $35 is starting to look to me like a key level on the chart and a key level on the valuation I think I'm gonna actually call it a bargain there um, but hey, we're not at thirty-five dollars yet. We're still just south of fifty. So that means uh, what another thirty percent potential decline. And there's nothing in the chart to suggest that that can't happen. So again, it's 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 all about this getting caught up in a narrative dominoes it's a household name it's defensive whatever people always eat pizza but then getting back to the economic realities which is what analysts and their clients are are working on so cautionary tale I'm I'm with Michael um, it's it's still a sell for me it's so rare to see such a string of these big black candles go check out a candlestick chart and then a quick rally after that it just doesn't happen very often and uh, maybe at 35 we'll have another look at it then.
1: okay all right
2: um, John wants a view on Servcorp,
1: uh, Carl, saying that with a move to more hybrid models of working from home, mm. is this a business that could profit from this going forward in the long term? Um, um, Servcorp Corp um, basically originated, didn't it? Offer sharing and offer space solutions uh, for companies. Alf Maffaridge,
2: uh was the founder of it. What do you think of uh, Servcorp? Yeah, well, that's a good narrative, isn't it, Koshi? This, yeah. I think this is the theme for today's show, is good narratives. And yeah, more flexible working arrangements, A companies looking to right-size their uh, footprints in CBDs and therefore utilising more of ServCorp's um, services, which of course are your uh, your serviced offices, um, but you're leveraging a lot of technology now, quite and quite virtual yeah. offices, co-working spaces, meeting rooms, etc. cetera. There's this flexibility um, to, to come in on a particular day, use the space and then go and work from home potentially for the rest of the week okay so I get it Um, and and I don't mind that I think that's that's a that's a theme uh, that will support it then I go okay well nice narrative great let's go look at the numbers and I think the numbers stack up pretty well I think there's a really well-run business here in that they they managed to get through the pandemic relatively unscathed I think they're on the right side of it now Um, really uh, solid earnings really reasonable valuations so trading at nine less than ten times this year's earnings but with some growth in the business um you spoke earlier of the value trap where you say oh something's got um, a low PE and therefore it must be cheap well often they have a low PE because they've got negative growth this yeah. one has a low PE but actually has pretty reasonable growth you know high single digits probably better than market growth so I'm going to say this one's really well priced here compared to say Domino's, which mm. I think is expensive okay so tick on the on the thematic and the narrative tick on the valuation I think it's close to 10% undervalued and then I go to the, to the third pillar which is the chart. And if I can get the chart to match up, then I can buy it. The chart's not matching up yet. So I, I, I like it. I don't love it just yet. I tell you what though, If it closes above 340, I'm happy to dip a toe in the water on this one. So whatever I might have been uh, thinking of putting in a standard uh, position in my my portfolio, let's say $1,000, just to use a round number, I'm going to divide that by three and I'm going to add some on a close above 340. If it closes, I'm going to give you another here. If it closes above 350, I'm going to add some more. If it closes above 360, I'm all in on this particular trade. So, yeah, happy to hold it in the meantime.
0: Okay. Michael, observe call. Yeah, look, the business has done incredibly well, really, yep. considering all that's been thrown at it in recent years. Now forget
1: forget WeWork; this yeah. has been going way longer. This has been, been it?
0: going way longer, and it's actually a more mature type sure, yeah, business yeah. with a very stable balance sheet and obviously sheet. better run. Better, yeah, and it's and it's you can sort of tell that sort of founder involvement's probably still yeah. still there. It's not necessarily looking to to shoot the lights out, but it's just looking to exist um, and continue to survive, and over time capitalize where it can. Um, it's, you know, very conservatively run balance sheet, a lot of cash on the balance sheet generates an immense amount of free cash flow. Um, they've also reduced their, their floor capacity basically over the last couple of years. Um, okay. And that probably makes sense given the environment. And, but I think at the moment, it's just too difficult to understand where we all head in the future when it comes to offices in general, uh, let alone service offices such as this. So. Whilst this continues to evolve this space, I'll be steering clear. Right. Um, however, this business has been doing a, a very good job in navigating the the, the, the tough times basically. Yeah. So happy to give it a, a long-term hold, but I'm not rushing in to buy it. Right,
1: okay. All right, um, would you be buying SRG, Michael? Gary wants to know, the uh, engineering major, basically a mining services business.
0: Yeah, it, it's Mining Services, although they recently won a, a multiplex contract as well, and they've got a couple of different infrastructure projects. This business has been doing incredibly well, and the environment for this type of company um, is very strong. So you would expect them to be doing well. Um, they've got a lot of contracts in the pipeline. Uh, their most recent report was very strong, sort of increase in revenue, profit, earnings, You know, dividends, upgraded their guidance as well. So the chart looks very, very good. And the momentum in the company looks good, at least over the last few years. And Close should ex- to a five-year high. Yeah. And you should expect that probably to continue um, in the near term because they've got a lot of work in hand, what they call it. They've had a lot of new contract wins so far this financial year. My only concern with a business like this is that they operate on very, very narrow margins. Ah, so gross of margins are of about 8%. Net profit margin of about 3%. So you can see that you know it doesn't take much to go wrong with these right. contracts for that margin to evaporate and the earnings to disappear.
1: And they're big contracts, they're aren't big those? Such so stuff it up a little bit.
0: So you've got to probably, if you're going to buy some of this, you've got to really try and understand the contract structure and how right. it all works. Um, also, how they account for these contracts. Is it revenue? Do they re- recognize the revenue straight up and then have to deliver yeah. the project, or does it? Do so they sort of tear it out over the outer mm-hmm. years? So there's all these things you need to really get into nitty gritty of. But for mine, the problem with these companies for me is the low margin. These margins are a lot lower than 10 years ago, just right. after the mining boom. So they're obviously winning a lot of these projects on price, um, but can they deliver them? That's the big question mark. And I'm not sure I can't answer that. So right. happy to give it a hold on a momentum thing at the moment, because it does seem to be running quite nicely. but. On the first sign of any bad news, I'd be looking to sell because okay. I do the margins do concern me.
2: Uh, Carl, yeah, look, I'm pretty close to Michael on that one. So again, happy to hold it. It's one um, that we look at very closely here at Think Markets as well. We've I put out a buy on it last year at about 57. Uh, happy to hold it on that basis if you got in on that. Sure. And it's, it's, it's yeah, he's, he's really nailed it. It's it's, it's one of these uh, sorts of uh, charts or stocks that we're there for a good time, not a long time. And the times are good right now. And I think they'll be good for at least a bit longer. So yeah, on that basis, happy to hop. But Michael's right, you know, if, if things turn sour in mining, uh, then this is going to struggle, okay? But at the moment, uh, commodity prices are still relatively buoyant compared to where they were a few years ago, which means there's still plenty of investment in the sector. Uh, every time I go to the airport, Koshy, I know this is extremely anecdotal. There are nine uh, to one yellow slash orange high-vis uh, shirts there compared to people normally travelling along. Of course, I'm talking yeah, about Perth. Yeah, Perth Airport is... Okay. So, um, uh, and, and many of them quite seriously have uh, SRG logos on them. So, right. um, you yeah. know, look, it, it, the trend is your friend, and I'm not going to doubt it at this stage. Happy Holder. Okay. All
1: right, let's recap. The... Uh, First five stocks, stock of the day, super retail. Hold from Carl, I know from Michael. Um, Evolution Mining a hold from both. Both have a sell on Regis, both have a sell on Domino's. Carl would be interested in buying Domino's, would be a great bargain around $35, which he thinks it could get down to. Uh, so if you're in it, get out, maybe relook at 35. Uh, Corp a hold from both, gets to 340, Carl gets, uh interested in it on the charts uh srg a hold from both as well uh here at the call we've been uh, following our own high conviction fantasy portfolio as picked by our investment committee uh the last committee meeting is on osbiz.com uh the next committee meeting will be uh, on the platform next week uh february meeting the uh the committee got out of aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi, they added Paradigm and New Century Resources. They also up their weighting in BHP, CSL and Boss Energy. Uh, Since the first of March last year, the first anniversary of the fund, uh, it's added 12.6%. Keep sending your requests in for the call because that's the first filter to get to the investment committee. Uh, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, Cochlear, CSL, Wise Tech, and Fisher and & Paykel Healthcare. Um, Michael, Tim wants a view on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, one of the, uh, the second tier regional banks. How do you see it?
0: Yeah, it's been performing fairly well um, in recent times, but it's more of the outlook that, that concerns us. Um, Bendigo gets about 75% of its funding from deposits and the rest from overseas markets. Obviously, because they're a smaller bank, they're not as competitive in the overseas funding markets. So they struggle to compete with the big four on that front. Um, But with deposits, deposits have been pretty benign recently. The deposit rates really haven't been following I've been the lending cracking. rates have <laughs> been terrible. But that eventually I think will change and, and competition for deposits will increase. Right. And that means the margins for people like Bendigo Bank in particular, who are as reliant on deposits as they are, might start to, to come under pressure. Um, they also have a big need to continually invest in technology. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what plays out on that front. Uh, but then just generally speaking, we are concerned about. Credit growth going forward. We have already seen that sort of roll over. We wouldn't be surprised if the momentum in credit growth continues to slow. Um, and that means there's less mortgages out there. And what tends to happen during the you know the good times is that the regional and smaller banks take market share away from the big banks. Yep. And then during the tough times is when the big four banks just bank back all their market share. So we wouldn't be surprised if that happens again uh, right. coming up. So I'm not a big fan of any of the banks. In fact, a few weeks ago, I said to sell going, on CBA. I was going, I was going to ask yeah. you
1: that because a few people, uh, the experts on the call have said, it's the best yeah. for banks for a long time. And uh, just get out altogether.
0: <laughs> that's our view. Um, and that's why we sort of sell on CBA even if you can get people to sell the banks. Yeah. We understand why people like to hold them, but we're, not, you know, we're yeah. not buyers of them. And in the case of something like Bendigo, we're no. probably a sell. sell, Okay. although we do acknowledge their good operational performance in recent times.
2: Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, I, I think Michael and I, we've had a bank pretty much every time we've come <laughs> yeah. on for the last yeah, yeah. few months, haven't we? We, we, look, we have been on the same page and we we're saying, look, they're, they're crazy overvalued, but it almost doesn't matter. Every time I tell a client that a bank's overvalued, they should think about selling it, they don't sell it, right? <laughs> so. Uh, and then the, see the thing is, Koshi, we get to the point now, like most of them have rolled over like lo and behold, and they they even um, even more reluctant to sell them because they didn 't get the highest price they should have when right. we, yeah. we told them to sell yeah. you know a few weeks ago, so yeah, they're, yeah. like they 're more belligerently holding on to them. So where do we go from here? I know the viewers uh, listening today, they're, they're not in that group. They're way smarter than they always listen to the experts on the call. Um, but I still think it's a sell uh, on Bendigo, and I still think the banks are a sell. I've, I'll just tell you, uh, in terms of our think markets, valuations, CBA is only 10.5% overvalued. I think last time I was on Koshi, I said it was 18% overvalued. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's only 10.5% overvalued now. Uh, Bendigo, I think, is 8.5% overvalued. ANZ is 5% overvalued. NAB is actually as moved um, in, the, in the recent past to most overvalued. It's now about twelve percent overvalued. Westpac six point seven percent overvalued. Right. Uh, so if that helps, hey. Um, <laughs> in terms of growth, I don't know. The, the growth looks terrible. It looks terrible across the board. The best dividend yield I can tell you is ANZ with six point four percent, and the cheapest. It also has the, the lowest PE. If, right. if that gives you any consolation.
1: But you you wouldn't. Be in them at
2: all. You'd be selling no, Bendigo no, and I, all. I know. I know people will if yeah. they have a dollar to invest today. They're still looking at the banks. Why? Because the banks have pulled back in price. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Steve wants a view on one of our big
1: healthcare stocks, uh, Carl Cochlear, uh, yep. one of the global healthcare, the bionic ear um, product as well. What do you think of Cochlear?
2: I like Okclear. I think it's a brilliant business. I think they've got uh, just fantastic products that, despite the the competition from you know cheaper Chinese knockoffs and wannabes, um, they, they're still the best. They're still the incumbent. They still make more money than everyone else combined, and that gives them the ability to invest. Uh, in research and development and continue to come up with new products of which they've actually got one launching maybe August, Michael might know better off the top of his head. Um, but yeah, look, so so this is one of those where I go top quality business, I like it. Um, I like to buy it when it looks, you know, when the valuation looks good. I don't think the valuation is terrible right now, actually. I think. Um, what did I have in here to 238 is my fair value target. So that's mm. giving us a bit of upside. It's around about 220 right now. Um, so I love the business. I think the valuation is reasonable. And then I go to the chart and I think the chart looks pretty good here. Actually, I, I've got a nice short term trend developing. I've got the long term trend, which um, maybe you saw there was very, very flat. It's just starting to just to perk up. You can see they're just starting mm. to perk up. So I'm a happy holder. Um, am I a buyer? Hmm. I would say if it starts to move above 230 and I know viewers might get frustrated and confused by this idea of buying something when that's in theory more expensive, but I wanna see the market confirming my view. So I've got my view and then, but I always respect the market's view. So if the, if the price is moving up, I can see that the market's liking this more and then I'm happy to put my money on. So I close up to 30, happy to add some risk here. Okay, and Michael?
0: It's one we've held in the past, but not for a number of years now. Um, it's a, look, a great Australian success story, do great things, but I don't think the business is as good quality today as it once was. Uh, the caveat to that is, rarely do you bet against something like a cochlear, but the reality is that the most recent report was very good, um, but they, they've, the market is now more, more saturated in developed world. Most of the children that needed these implants have received those implants. And then also the shift away from sort of um, single implants to, to bilateral implants has also taken place. So that's basically people upgrading from old Right. implants to new implants. A lot of that's also played out. So they're now looking to, to make their mark in the emerging market space where there's a lot more competition because people are more price sensitive. And therefore, Cochlear also has to discount what they would sell the implant for right. in the developed world. So the yields. Will so the margins are, are less yeah. as well. So they're continually coming out with, with new devices and, and new... Um, accessories, and that, and the accessory growth is, is what really has been driving Cochlear's revenue over the last number of years, people upgrading and accessory growth. Really the number of new implants, although it's steady, has not really been the major catalyst. A lot of that story's played out a lot. So from my standpoint, um, happy to hold Cochlear because it's a long-term, high-quality business, but the margins for the company are a lot lower today than they used to be, return on equity as well. But that could all change if they come out with some new products or new devices that really catch on. And um, then all of a sudden you can see those metrics recover. But at the moment, yeah. we're a little bit cautious on that. We prefer other healthcare players. Okay. Some of which we might talk about later on in the show. Well,
1: or <laughs> maybe right now, if we're talking <laughs> about global uh, Aussie born global healthcare giants, uh, John wants a view on uh, on CSL. Michael, the big plasma global plasma company that's Uh, digesting a major acquisition over the last year?
0: Yeah, so CSL had a very good update, we thought, most recently. They've emerged from the COVID uh, slumber quite nicely. The collections have picked up above pre-COVID levels. Um, However, they're having to pay a bit more for those plasma collections because the unemployment rate in the US is so low. Over time, if that yep. shifts, that could actually turn into a bit of a tailwind for Just CSL. Just pe- people
1: don't understand that. Plasma is blood donations. In the mm-hmm. US, you get paid for it. So it's not community-minded like here where you go to the blood bank, and that's where most of CSL gets their money. So so when the economy goes down, it's tough. People go and yeah. sell their blood to get money to go and buy groceries. That's, that's it. It's not really the case at the moment because there's almost full
0: employment. That's right. But they're still getting the collections up, which is a good yeah. sign, as having to pay people... Which they, a couldn't lot more, during the which they couldn't during the pandemic. Yeah. So that part of the, of the business has been doing very well. The VIFOR acquisition, like you mentioned, was a very strong beat in terms of the expectations on that integration process. Um, so we like CSL, it's a very high quality company. They've got a number of different clinical trials in the process and a number of new products reaching the market in the next couple of years. Um, so, we're confident on the double digit earnings growth and double digit revenue growth that this company should be able to deliver continually for the next few mm-hmm. years. And, like the, the Ausbiz um, model portfolio, if you like, our portfolio, the biggest holding is CSL. Right. Um, so, we continue to like it, although it's been a pretty lean few years. We expect things to improve going forward.
1: Okay. So, going you, buy a buy on CSL. Buy CSL on these levels. Uh, Carl, what do you think of, of CSL?
2: No, I like it. We we covered this one, Michael and I covered this one a couple of weeks ago. We we both said we liked it. I know he said he still likes it. I think the key to it is going to be those uh, those uh, costs in the bearing business, so the plasma costs. And as you say, if if the economic situation in the US does deteriorate, this is going to be a massive winner because collections are now get this 10% above pre pandemic levels. So volumes are up and rising, we just need to get those costs down. And then you're just going to see this massive swing in the bottom line. I'm not sure if the market's really appreciating that appreciating right that that right now. Um, So I think there's certainly a business case to own it in terms of the valuation, I I think it looks looks cheap here. I know some people say, Oh, look, you know, the PE is too high. Yeah, it's 38 times this year's earnings. But we're looking at a compound annual growth rate for the next three years of about 20% per annum. So 38 sounds high, but it's going to come down very, very quickly. I know there's a leap of faith to get there, and I respect the risk, but I'm confident they are going to deliver because they are just such a great business. So I know, look, obviously, I, I like it. I just need to get the chart to match up. Last time we talked about it, I said add some. It was around about 305, I think. And I said, look. Take some risk here if you don't have any, because there's a chance of a multi-multi-year breakout in which once we cruise past 343, there's nothing holding this back. But I said, just add some. I said, the next batch you'll add is if it closes above 320, and it hasn't done that. So just going to hold it. In the meantime, if you've got a little bit of risk in based upon that suggestion, hang on to that, and we're still waiting for it to push again. Get that momentum going, and then we can add some more. Okay. So you're saying hold at the moment or add some? No, no. Hold for now, hold and it. then we want to see. It. We want to see it move back, back above that three fifteen yeah. level. See, what
1: uh, well, you mentioned before that is counterintuitive, is that? it? That you go, pe- people go, mate. Why shouldn't I just buy now? If you're so excited about it, why, why give up another ten bucks?
2: Because who cares what I think? <laughs> who cares what I think? It only matters what the market thinks, yeah. or more, what the market does. Yeah. And I'm not going to. Fight against this now, Koshi, I don't know if I'm allowed you to say this America. on air, but but my, well, that's another thing. But my my grandmother, my mum's mum, told me when I was a little boy, she 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 called me wonderful lady, wise lady. She she said, Carl don't fart against thunder. Okay? It's just one of her things. And you know what, I, I was a child when she said this to me, I can't remember why she said it to me, maybe I was trying to do something that was you know, impossible, you know, and and she said this to me, and it's something that has stuck with me and I've brought into my investing career, which is don't fart against thunder. And if the thunder is going one way, don't fart
1: against it. Oh, them. I love it, I love it. Okay, well, both Michael and I will be stealing that, yeah, I reckon, for, uh, for our clients. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, Matty wants of you, speaking of WISE, um, Carl, on WISE Tech Global, mm. the big logistics uh, platform, software platform, been on an acquisition spree over yes. the last year or two. Um, Two years ago, the market thought, you know, governance, transparency wasn't great. It was really down on it, but recently it has become a bit of a darling.
2: Oh, well, how can it not be a darling? It just continues to just grow its earnings exponentially. But it also had a nice little global pandemic Plus supply chain disaster to throw in to help it out, and it's been one of the major beneficiaries. And look, their goal is for people that don't know what they do. Uh, they do a lot of uh, they've got a software that manages your logistics. So if you're sending a container on a ship from point A to point B, it manages it through the whole process, but it also sorts out all of your compliance checks as well. But they're also, as you say, through those acquisitions, moving into uh, managing the logistics for road. And rail as well in the U.S. through that Bloom acquisition, um, but they just keep kicking goals. I give you know we talked about margins before, and uh, I had a look at my numbers here, and SRG's margins are about eight or nine percent. Um, serve course margins are about fifteen percent. Uh, the margins, so low margins, right, Domino's, I'll give you the Dominoes number because I'm sure pe- people are curious, right? I mean, everybody wants to know what Domino's margins are not too bad. Look, looks 16% better than I thought. Wow. Uh, but the margins for, for WiseTech are 86%, cautious. Wow. And it's a software, it's a service. You make this, you create the software. Of course, you need a bunch of programmers to create it. But once you've sold it, you're going to upgrade it every yeah. now and then, of course. But it's it's you just keep printing it, right? It's copy-paste. And uh, about 96%, and that was up from, uh 89% in their last update was uh, recurring revenue recurring revenue just keeps coming in yeah. you don't have to do anything to get it and so much growth is organic and I'm gushing a little bit because I love this business i think it's brilliant um on the valuation so it's a brilliant business on the on the valuation side of things i think it's i think it's um fairly valued i know people are going to say oh, the pe's too high but again the growth is is fantastic so I think, it's, I think it's fair, fair, I don't think it's expensive. And then I go to the chart, and I like the chart. So um, look, it's one I've been a big fan of for a very long time. I've called it a buy many, many times in, in uh, client notes, and I'm gonna go buy again today. Okay. And I know it might pull back here and there, but I, with the rest of the market, but I think it's a quality stock you wanna have in your long-term portfolio.
1: How many tech stocks would you class as a buy in this market? Not many. Uh, <laughs> Uh,
2: and that, but not many are doing this well. No. You're shooting the lights out. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely.
0: Michael? Um, it's interesting because a lot of the good quality tech is actually held up on the Aussie market okay. You look yeah. at things like Altium, yeah, Ordinate. WiseTech, Ordinate. Um, yeah. You can throw in Prometicus kind of a tech-related business. Yeah, technology One. Technology One. So but, like, yeah. but you go below the money. surface and then everything else has yeah, just been horrible. absolutely torched. So if you've got good quality like WiseTech, and it keeps delivering, the market is happy to support it. Um, out of all the wax stocks, this has probably been the best performer over a long period of time. Unfortunately, we don't hold that much of it, um, but we're definitely looking at it because as Carl says, they just keep t- delivering very um, like amazing numbers. Um, the retention rate is 99%. They've got very large blue chip customers. They keep increasing the number of what they call LGFs, so large global global freight forwarders, and you can imagine who they are, sort of DHLs or whatever. Yep. So although they've only got fifteen of those on, they've added, you know, they've got a few more in the pipeline. But these are huge businesses that operate across you know, more than ten countries and have many, you know, large and, and vast generally networks, don't change when you get in and they're not changing there. very frequently at yeah. all. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the numbers just to give you some of the hardcore figures, organic revenue growth up at 50, 50% on the prior corresponding period, You know, 40% growth on the second half of last year, fiscal last year. So very good numbers and there's no reason why they can't continue to deliver um, those sorts of growth rates going forward. So yeah. we're happy to give that one a buy despite a the very right. high valuations right. because even with the high valuations, as Carl points out, if you're growing at 30, 40, 50%, you're going to grow into that multiple pretty quickly.
1: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. And I've told you all before the uh, backstory. The founder was uh, ran the um, the logistics for ACDC when they used to tour. (laughs) Used to work for my (laughs) brother-in-law, and uh, he had it on a spreadsheet. (laughs) Uh, He's turned it into this company. Uh, Tuning the guitars. Yeah, yeah. Tuning guitars for I think he did Angus, Angus Youngs. Yeah. Uh, Final stock, uh, Jimmy. Back to healthcare now. Jimmy wants to view Michael on uh, Fisher and Pykel Healthcare. The are uh, bit in everything, aren't mm, they? Yeah. They're in um, sort of um, health manufacturing products, uh, a bit in um, respiratory as well.
0: Yeah, so, and then sleep apnea yeah, as well. Yep. But I think the key sort of driver for Fisher and Pykel, and it often gets lumped mm-hmm. together with ResMed, but they're not the same businesses. They have no. some similarities, but not the same. Fisher and Paykel's got seventy percent market share of the respiratory and acute care market. So if you think about going to hospitals, all those masks and oxygen pipes, etc., a lot of that is often provided by Fisher and Paykel. You can see they had an enormous run up due to COVID. That just sort of twenty twenty onwards, um, and obviously you could imagine when everyone's in hospital with respiratory mm. issues, there was very big uptake of, of Fisher and Paykel's products. Then there was the the clearing of all of that, the the sort of the the finishing stages of that initial COVID burst. And the market was struggling to really digest what was going to be sticky revenue and what was really just transitory revenue brought about by COVID. I think the market's getting a bit of a better understanding now the most recent couple of updates that Fisher & Paykel have provided have been very, very good. Um, And it's a business that we've held for a long period of time. Um, we haven't really been buying it until recently, so we do have a buy on it now, and it's one that we continue mm. to like going forward because it's again, it's a business that we think is gonna be growing, you know, double-digit earnings growth, double-digit revenue growth for many, many years to come. Um, they've had a bit of a, a boost recently with the reopening of the Chinese economy and then the Chinese market. There's been a big uptick again in some of those respiratory demands. So it'll be interesting to see if the market gets fooled again by that uptick in revenue or if they can better digest right. it this time. But um, we just think that margins are very, very high. Earnings growth is going to be you know, 15% going forward. Revenue growth is going to be very strong. Um, and we've already started to see the numbers recover back to above pre-COVID levels. So happy to hold this one. And it's one that looks expensive, but growing quite quickly. And it's actually on the lowest valuation it's been probably in, in five, 10 years in oh. terms of multiple. So you're saying hold or buy? A buy, a buy, a buy. on Fisher & Paykel.
2: Um, Carl? Yeah, I'm pretty close to a buy. I, I like it for all the same reasons Michael likes it. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's having a bit of a hangover at the moment, obviously from the heady days of, of COVID. But looking forward, the, the, the growth um, outlook looks very, very strong. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it's trading at uh, 62 times this year's earnings, goshy, which sounds a bit eye-watering, doesn't it? But uh, 21% compound annual growth annual earnings growth for the next three years, brings that down to sort of 40 in a couple of years, 35 a little bit after that. I don't think it's, uh, I wouldn't call it a screaming in the valuation, but um, it's certainly at least fair value. So I, I like the business, the valuations not throwing me any red flags. And that's all I need in the fundamental valuation, yep. Koshi. I just don't want to see any red flags because you know where I go next is the chart. So as long as I haven't seen any red flags, if the chart looks good, then i buy it. Chart looks very good actually, I think. Uh, I, I just need to see it pick up a little. It's at, it's at a little bit of a 50. Oh, you can see there, great on screen. So it's, it, because I'm looking at my chart and then you've got your chart on screen. Yeah. You can see how it's just it's just paused. Yeah. So it's had that little turnaround and it's just pausing. I want to see which way it breaks out of that pause because it could break down back to 22. And then I'd say, well, I just have to wait a bit longer. But if it closes above, I say, let's say 24.30, that's when I'm gonna to start to add some risk on it. And then if it closed above 25, I'd add some more.
1: Okay. So, so hold, hold for now. Hold for you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Bendigo Bank sell. <coughs> excuse me from both Carl and Michael. Uh, Cochlear a hold from both. Um, Carl would be looking to to buy it if it got above two thirty. Uh, CSL a buy it from Michael. A hold at the moment from uh, from Carl. If it uh, got above three oh five, it would be a buy in Carl. Uh, Carl's mind. Uh, Wise Tech a buy from both uh, Fisher and Michael. a buy from Michael, a hold at this stage uh, from Carl, but if it got above twenty four dollars he'd be looking to buy it. Carl Kapolinger from Think Markets, great to see you. Thank you for for your time today.
2: Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Goshen. And do
1: uh, so <coughs> excuse me, don't forget you can see Carl on Fridays with uh, with Kyle as well as he goes through the charts. And then he has his own webinar every Tuesday at Think Market. So tune in for that. Uh, right. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, and you're starting a fund.
0: We just launched it today. We hit the go oh. button. So manage fund, which will be exciting. Fingers crossed we can get it off to a good start. But yeah, It just yeah. allows people who've got it a smaller amount of money, you want to invest with Medallion, they can do so now via a fund rather than setting up a whole So what's the strategy?
1: Account. What sort of fund is it? So it's like? going
0: to be ASX 300 primarily, right. um, focusing on the growth side of the market, but we do have a, a mandate whereby we can go outside of that ASX 300 a little bit, should we see fit. Right. Okay. Um, but it's high quality businesses, like the quality stuff we go through on the AusBiz all the time, companies like CSL, ResMed, right. Fisher and yep. Michael, um, with good balance sheets and, and good growth prospects going forward. So. Yeah, a bit of a milestone for Medallion. So we're looking forward yeah. to getting that off the ground and, and getting some good returns for investors.
1: If you're interested, go to the Medallion website. That'll point you in the right direction. Absolutely.
0: Or give you a call. Thanks for the plug, Koshi. Okay, Much appreciated. Easy. No, no. If you
1: launch your fun. yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it uh, for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV handle. The Pulse is next. Stay with us. <laughs>